Welcome to Sexy Boss Interviews with Heather Havenwood, www.sexybossinc.com. Hi, this is Heather Havenwood with Sexy Boss Interviews, and I am very excited to have on the call with me today with someone I just love and adore, and it's Marnie Kinris. She is the creator of the Wean Girl Method. Now, Marnie is a dating coach, a radio and TV personality, and author. Marnie is the ultimate wean girl, a woman who puts her insider knowledge to good use for the betterment of all men by telling them what women really want, not what they say they want. And Marnie has worked with hundreds of thousands of men all over the world to help them understand women so they can attract, date, seduce, and get any woman they want without being a jerk. Her method is based on the key principle of you got to turn yourself on first before any woman would ever be attracted to you. I love that. Over the past eight years, Marnie has collaborated with a top male attraction expert sharing her expertise and advice to help men find their ideal partners. And she fell into her current role as a wing girl, we're going to go into that more today too, while watching her handsome, charming, and successful male friends fail miserably while trying to hit on and pick up women. Marnie says, I'm a wing girl, a woman who puts her insider knowledge to good use for the betterment of all men, and I think women as well. So today we have with us... Miss Marty, how are you? I'm doing well. That was a good intro. I like it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, you know, and I'm excited about this because you and I met in that world of teaching men how to date, seduce, and, and find the woman of their dreams without being yeah. a jerk. And I love that. And you and I come from the same cloth there. But And we're going to talk more about how you got there and your story and and how I you feel, uh, as I do, how this is something that you not only help men, but you help women as well in that process because we help yeah. women. Oh. Totally. If you help the men, you help the women. And just to kind of give people, other people more of a background from you, is see, you were educated at University of Western Ontario in Canada with a yeah. BA in psychology, and you now live in LA, yes? I do. You know everything about me. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my background. BA in psychology, and then moved to Los Angeles, and uh, thought that I was never going to use my psych degree, and then it's pretty much all that I use now, so it's fantastic. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think that's all that I do as well is use my psychology and marketing degree. Something also that I think is fun that I want people to know about Marnie is Marnie is currently working on a scripted TV show. Is that still true? A reality TV show? What's going on with that? So reality TV show, they're pitching out to different networks right now. And I get an email once a day telling me that people are happy and like me, which I've learned over time for anybody who is in business that that means nothing. <laughs> it means absolutely nothing until you're sitting on the couch watching your television show on TV. It means absolutely nothing. So yeah, I'm doing that and then I am working on a scripted television show. We went out to studios last year and pitched it as a general concept and now we're going back and we're actually fine-tuning and developing a concept on our own and then oh. going pitching it yeah so I'm mean, teamed up with a really good team they're at ICM that is mm. a talent agency so they're wonderful and the person I'm working with is a talented director who has directed and produces produced like tons of amazing films so I'm excited wow congratulations that's really amazing so now in the in the reality show are you going to be what's your role what's going to be your role in the reality show 
it's going to be me. I am going to be the sane, normal one. And then I think they're going to have crazy people around me. <laughs> they have told me there's been numerous people who said you are not bitchy enough to have a reality TV show, which I take as a compliment. But that makes me very sad when I think about the shows that we are watching on TV. Have you seen that Honey Boo Boo show? That's ridiculous. It's no, here. I have not seen it. Which one's that one? Oh, it's about a, like a little a little kid who's like five years old and in beauty pageants, and they pride themselves on being white trash. It's horrible. It, it's like horrible. I saw two minutes of it, and I felt stupider just for watching that show. So yeah, that is the direction that reality TV is going in. I'm not dying to get into that world, but if it is like the right network and the right way of presenting my brand without making people that I work with look like losers, because they're not. They're absolutely amazing. They're some of the strongest men in the entire world. Um, so if that's the goal of the show, and they can actually have that be on television, then I'm totally on board. Now, what are they, do they compare you to Patty because you're out there in LA? Oh, always, always, yes. Oh, yes. my God. Now, I like, I love I love and adore Patty, but sometimes she does what you call demean the men. She's hooked, trying to help. You know, she tries to demean them. Like, I can't believe you just did that to her. You're like, I'm actually fine with how she talks to the men. I don't like how she belittles women. And I don't like, um, I, I don't think that she thinks through things that she says. I think she she just puts stuff out there just to kind of be that crazy out there character. And that probably is who she is. But I've seen her, like, I was on the Dr. Drew show recently and she was on the same episode as me. Mm-hmm. And she, I thought she was very composed with in what she was talking to. I think it just depends on who's interviewing her and how crazy she, she thinks she has to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely compared to her a lot in the sense that everyone says you're the nice version of Patty. So that feels good for me to hear. <laughs> I love that. But you're right. I think they want that kind of bitchiness or that different out there. It's like, okay, if you're too nice to be on TV, what does that mean? Does that mean everyone that's on TV is not? Pretty much. They, they, okay, just for anybody who, who doesn't know, reality TV, like all television shows require casting. So they, you know, don't want a show that's half an hour of niceness. It's the sad truth. They want to have drama. Like I, I went on to, I know that Dr. Drew isn't a reality show, but when I went on to, you know, shows like that, I won't say Dr. Drew, but shows like that, I, you know, I did have producers say things like, it wouldn't be so bad if there was controversy. It wouldn't be so bad if you need three to forty And like, I totally get that because they want people to tune in and that's what people are excited and interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's hard to understand how to do that and still be yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm still in the process of learning. Well, and let's talk about how did you did how did you become the wing girl, the wing girl method, create the wing girl method. But really, I'm sure you didn't wake up one day while you were in college in Ontario and say, "Hmm, what do I want to do with my life?" Is go around speaking and teaching and how to date women. So I know I didn't, and I what I fell into. So I'm like, I want to know your story. Do you mind telling us? No, of course, of course, of course. So when I was younger, I, I had lots of guy friends. I love my guy friends. I naturally became a wing girl for them. And that's something that I did. Most girls that you talk to, especially girls that have personalities like you and I, Mm -hmm. would play that role for their guy friend. But when I moved out to Los Angeles, I was working for a PR company and hating every second of it. And I was single, but I had just met a great guy who is now my husband, actually. But I had just met a great guy. And a month later, I went to this singles mixer at a rabbi's house. Mm -hmm. Don't about that, but um, <laughs> not this, but I went there because I was with my best friend who had just broken up with her boyfriend. So we wanted her to get back into the game, and I was window shopping because I was kind of liking the guy that I was seeing, obviously, who's now my husband. Um, and we went to the singles mixer, and literally nobody was talking to each other. Like men were on one side of the room, women 
side. And I was like, screw this. And I started grabbing men and pulling them towards my best friend because she needed attention at that time. And then once she was taken care of, I would do it with other women in the room. And I would tell them like, say this, don't say that, stand up, untuck your shirt, smile more, your body language is off. And by the end of the night, people were exchanging phone numbers, like the whole room was having fun. And I'll give myself credit for a lot of that. But I loved doing that. That felt really good. That was a type of PR I liked doing. So I went home at like one o'clock and I was drunk <laughs> and I walked to the door and my roommate was there. He was like 30, 35 years old. He's an entrepreneur. And I said to him, I hate my job. I don't want to do this anymore, but I did something really fun tonight. I was a wing girl. I wonder if I could do that for a business. And he said to me, like, this is verbatim. He said to me, if you do that, and you want to make money, you are going to have to throw in a case of beer and a blowjob for every guy that you work with. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, like, no guy will ever pay for that. He's like, guys don't want that. They just want to get girls like they won't pay for it. So I was like, I think you're wrong. So I marched into my bedroom and I posted an ad up on Craigslist saying something like, what better way to attract bees than with honey? Sit back and relax. I'll do the dirty work for you. I'll pick up women for you. You don't have to do anything. And I had over 75 responses by the next month. I was like, holy shit, I just I started something. And I was 20 time. So I'm like, screw this. I hate my job. So I went in the next day. And because I worked for a PR company, I downloaded their media list and went that night and started like blasting out my own press releases about my own product or my new business that I had started. And within my like first couple weeks we had the tonight show interesting jim uh we got a piece in the la times we were on k-rock where uh, like tons of other smaller publications but a lot of people were interested in what we were doing and for me it was the first thing that i had ever been interested in doing so it started and it, it built built from there and, and morphed from what it was originally but yeah that's how i started my business and that's how it started. No planning or no nothing. It really just was an idea that I had that I enjoyed and I loved and I went with it. I love that. You just said, screw it, I'm doing this. And you went for it. I love that. And I quit my job three weeks later and I was like, screw this. Because, you know, being hired by those people that were finding me on Craigslist. So I was making enough money. I didn't, you know, I didn't live lavishly. I lived in an apartment where I paid 450 to 600 a month. I shopped at the 99 cent store. I didn't spend a lot of money, but I was able to make my rent every single month and survive, which, and plus I had a new boyfriend who was helping me pay for <laughs> some meals, so that was good. But, it, you know, I just, just started. I knew that I really wanted to do this, and I just kept going with it. And I love how you just you just said, I'm going to go with this no matter what another guy or entrepreneur said. Because I think most people would have come home, had this idea. Because that happens, I know it happens to me. I know it's happened to friends. And I know it's happened to me at other times. Where I go, oh, I have this brilliant idea. And I just say it. I say it to whoever's around. And they, ah, that's horrible. That's stupid. They say whatever they say. And then like either A, what happens? I go, forget them. Or I go, maybe they're right. And I just let it go, right? And I think right there in that moment, that was the piece of you who said, I'm not gonna listen to them. I'm gonna listen to my gut hearing. Just went with it. I love it. It helped that I was drunk too. But like, oh, I would have done that if I was sober. But yeah, absolutely, your gut. And and the thing is, is like the the initial wing girl business was two wing girls take out a guy and we pick up women for you. And the the honest truth is that financially would not have kept me 
around for a long period of time. It, it actually could have if I ended up, you know, creating a larger business where I hired more girls. And it, but in me, in my mind, there had to be something more substantial to it. And because in the beginning we were getting confused with escorts and that is not something that I wanted to be at all. I didn't even want to be associated with that world. So I started teaching people and coaching people and using my psychology degree so that I actually created a curriculum. So now, eight years later, I'm going back to that coaching model where I have boot camps being run and I have girls who will be teaching my boot camps based on my curriculum and doing them all over the world at various times during the year. That is entrepreneurial of you. So let's tell about your family. Is anybody else in your life um, or, or anybody else in your family an entrepreneur? Are you the only one? You black sheep? Did that come in your family? Okay, I will tell you when I started my company, my family was like, oh, great. We sent our little, you know, young 23-year-old Jewish little girl to go to LA to become a derby escort. I cannot believe that we did that. Like they were freaking out because... I didn't know what my business was in the beginning. And then as soon as I got my first article in the LA Times, they're like, oh, you have a business. That's so great. And then they saw that I actually had a plan in place about how to make this into a business. And I wasn't going to get taken advantage of. And they always knew that from the time I was born, the word no only motivated me. It didn't ever stop me from doing anything. Um, but my father is, he runs his own business. His family had a supermarket when they were younger. And my father was going to school to be a lawyer. And uh, my grandfather got really sick. So he took over the supermarket and stopped going to law school. And then after that, they went into a cigarette machine business. So they own a cigarette machine business. And then now my father runs another. So he's like a serial entrepreneur as well. So I've seen this type of model in my life. And uh, I, I guess I'm not replicating it, but I guess that that kind of inspired me. It inspired you. You, you saw your, your dad do it. Now, did you? where did you grow up? I mean, you went to school in Ontario and Canada. Did you grow up in Canada or did you grow up in the U.S.? Toronto. You grew up in Toronto. Okay, got it. On the East Coast in Toronto. Interesting. And so after Cy, after you went to University of Western Ontario and you saw your dad doing, he was doing grocery store, a serial entrepreneur. Do you have siblings? Anybody else in your, in your world go into that kind of industry, entrepreneurial? To be honest, I felt like a big weirdo when I was first doing my work because I didn't know any other entrepreneurs. I only knew nine to fivers. And... I felt very strange. First of all, I felt lonely during the day, which was horrible because I was working by myself and I, I am an extrovert who does get recharged by being around other individuals. So I slowly learned how to work at coffee shops so that I could actually be energized during the day and I can have outlets for my conversational needs. But in terms of, you know, feeling like I had a community, the first three to five years, actually, I, I didn't. I didn't go seeking that. I had tons of people that I was networking with, but they were all virtual. So people that were in the pickup artist community or other male dating coaches, I would definitely communicate with them, but it would all be online or over the phone. So I felt like a very strange individual. And I would hate when people would say to me things like, oh, you can stay out late. You don't have work tomorrow. And I'd be like, I work harder than all of you. I work way more hours and my work doesn't finish when I walk out the door. My work is with me 24 hours a day. And I would get insulted by that. And slowly I started becoming friends with more entrepreneurs. And I would say that the majority of my friends now are all entrepreneurs. Like I feel like everybody around me has their own business. 
compared to before where I felt like the black sheep. Well, speaking of that, that's really interesting you say that. I, I completely understand that as an entrepreneur, the loneliness, like people around you, they're all going to work a nine to five. And, you know, where I live in my condo, we don't have garages. We just have parking spaces, like assigned parking. And there's many times at like noon, I go outside and there's like not one car in the parking lot. Like my car's the only one there, you know, during the day. So it is lonely when you... in you have to surround yourself with entrepreneurism. But I want to go one step further in that, Marnie. And so not only is it lonely being an entrepreneur, but tell me more about being an entrepreneur as a woman, uh, being at a young age, 24, 25, 26, when you have people around you, men and women that are, are nine to fives. But what do people say to you as being a woman like that? You know what? It's interesting because I just read this recent article about old entrepreneurs versus uh, new entrepreneurs, like saying that people who have been entrepreneurs for longer versus, you know, being fresh and new. And and I'm just getting to the point where I feel like I've been an entrepreneur now for a set amount of time where I'm settled in my business and I have a great group of colleagues and friends in my network who, you know, are getting up to another level. That feels really nice. Before, when I was the younger entrepreneur as a woman, I felt that I was not valued and respected equally. And um, because of my age, too, I had a whole bunch of things working against me. That's kind of how I saw it. And I didn't like feeling like that. Um, I'm in a world of men anyway. Most of them are male coaches. And I worked really hard to not become the typical, you know, bitchy, angry woman. I worked really hard to become the intelligent, feminine entrepreneur that people can respect, flirt with, and have fun with. And that was really important to me because in the very beginning, I didn't know how to be. I would flirt a little bit too much. So that put me into a strange category that would, you know, ruin a lot of possible relationships. I would try to prove myself too much and that didn't really help or, you know, make me seen as somebody with value. And I had a hard time establishing myself as a person who should be respected, not just treated as a little girl. That is is how I felt quite often when I was in the world of men. I felt like a little girl where men were constantly tapping me on the head. And sometimes you can use that to your advantage, um, but I, I didn't want to be seen that way. So I worked really hard to become knowledgeable and become an expert in certain areas so that I can I can speak with authority on specific topics, uh, not just on coaching men, but on business topics as well, and still really working on remaining feminine. I, I never once did I want to hide that I was a woman. And I think that that, that really helps me in the, in the business world. I like my femininity. And I, I think that other people do as well. But what they value, especially in the workforce, in terms of networking, are people who have value, whether it's a man or a woman. And my value is that I have a great list. I have a great database of individuals who listen to me and buy from me which has really helped me with my affiliate relationships and other relationships I've made through networking. Well, you said something that's pretty interesting. You know, when you first started out as an entrepreneur, you flirted 
it used to be Florida too much. And then you went the other side, what I call the other side of the pendulum, like swinging over to another side. Like then you went to proving yourself and maybe came across as some people say bitch or not. Like you just went into that proving mode. And then you now feel like you're in that in between, you're in the middle of that pendulum with finding your own femininity, your value and your power. And that's what I feel what a sexy boss is, is being able to stand in that space of femininity, power and value. And I know for myself, and I'm sure other people listening, is that pendulum, like you just said, you didn't know how to be when you first got started, is very familiar of do I you know, do I use my sexuality to flirt a little bit, get what I want that, oh, that kind of gets me so far, but not exactly what I want. And then it's that swing of, but I want you to listen to me and I want you to see my value. And then like, prove, 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 prove. It's like this constant back and forth. And there isn't really, I know for myself, mentors or teachers that really taught us how to be feminine values. So what would you, you know, as being a teacher and a role model for other women and entrepreneur, maybe they're going through that pendulum right now. What would you say to them? Well, in terms of flirting, so like I advise people on flirting all the time and flirting comes from not, not withholding information, but with subtly relaying information to a person of the opposite sex or a person of the same sex, whatever it is, whoever you're flirting with. So in terms of like flirting for business and then flirting for attraction, there is a major difference and, and it comes with the intention for both types of flirting. So like attraction flirting is, is flirting to possibly have sex or to go on a date or to be in a relationship. So there is some underlying sexual innuendo um, that is there in, in the flirting. It's in your mind and it's what you're throwing out. It's like it's the intent behind your actions. When I'm flirting now in business, I don't ever let it go to that place in my mind. I don't have that intention of, okay, I'm going to flirt with this person, make them think that I want them go on like a pseudo date and then try and get business from them. Instead, I say I'm, I can put my sexual self out there by being flirty and fun and make sexual jokes that aren't leading towards anything that pertains to myself. And I, my intention is to, you know, have fun with people, but always focus on business so that if I'm having a conversation and I do flirt a little, I will always bring it back to work afterwards. Well, I'll say, okay, enough of this. Let's get back to the task at hand. We're talking about, are you going to push for me? Are you going to be my affiliate? Or am I going to be your affiliate? Like I'll always bring it back to the point that we're, that I'm trying to get across. That, that, that is my intention. You know, it's great to build friendship. It's great to flirt with people, even, you know, women and men, it's great to flirt with them because that's, it's fun. It doesn't always have to be about business, but the intention behind that flirting can't be to lead a person on and tease them into thinking, I want to sleep with them. It's the intention of, I'm doing business with you and we're going to have fun in the process. That's really a key piece. And I know for myself, and I know, you know, I want to go into, you know, you're married and you still teach men how to date women. And I want to kind of go into that piece. And uh, I know for myself, I, as soon as I, as when I was single and wasn't in a serious relationship, that was a piece where, you know, I flirted and then all of a sudden sometimes I could see where all of a sudden it went too far. Like, oh no, whoops, you know, <laughs> oh whoops, now they are asking me to date. Oh, I didn't mean that. But then how do I backpedal out of that without them getting upset? And then it's like, oh wait, but I actually just want to talk business. You know, it's like this kind of interesting 
dilemma sometimes that happens if you don't know your power. So I, I can clearly understand that. So talking about like you started off with your obviously we were single, but you started to date you now your now husband. You didn't know that, that at a time. So how did that come about? Like how did that you start out single? It's fun when you're single, but then now you're all of a sudden getting married and how did that maybe change your business in the background? Or did it? Maybe it didn't. Okay, so I never wanted to say that I had a boyfriend. For, I never wanted to reveal that to my newsletter list, to my, so I kind of kept that hidden. And then we got engaged, and I was like, should I wear my ring to events? Should I not wear my rings? And I, I had different opinions from different people, and I think ultimately I had to make a decision for myself, and I was like, no, you know what, I'm going to announce this. I'm not going to make a huge announcement, but I'm going to start slipping into my newsletters and, you know, I'm going to start wearing my ring for interviews and I'm going to start talking about it in interviews. And the truth is, is that men actually got more comfortable with me because now they weren't trying to impress me anymore. So they could actually be their real, their real, they could be their real selves with me. So there was nothing sexual between us. There was, she's taken, she's not judging me. I'm not trying to flirt with her. You know, she may be attractive. I may be attractive and there can be that there, but she's taken and she's going to help me get women. So actually announcing that I I was engaged and I am married has helped me. The area where it hasn't helped me, to, to be really honest, is that I have gotten bored with my own material because I am not in that I'm pushing people to be in anymore. So, you know, I was actually in a funk with this for a while. I got down on myself for being bored. And I, you know, I started giving more advice about communication and things to do in relationships. Um, but the majority of my audience is still looking to learn how to pick up and attract and meet and date women, not how to, you know, communicate with their significant others so that their sex drives and sex lives don't die or like how to save a marriage. So, what I'm doing now is I am trying to automate my business as much as possible so that I can actually free myself to go do other things that may be, you know, starting a semi new business that is geared towards women or starting a semi new business or enhancing my business and going and talking more about the relationship stuff, stuff that does interest me now. Because I do find as an entrepreneur, you can easily get bored with doing, you know, the same thing over and over again. If you are an entrepreneur, you're a risk taker, you like excitement, you like opportunity, you, you see the, you know, the world as a, as a place for things to happen. So when you start doing the same thing over and over again, it can get pretty boring. So I'm bringing in other teams down to partner up with and giving away a percentage of my company so that I have other people who are running the day-to-day of my business. I'm hiring people to write to people as if they're me. They're going to be fully trained on, you know, how to give advice from my point of view. And I'm creating templates right now so that it's easy for them to do that. So basically, I'm slowly removing myself from a business that I built into a turnkey operation, which could, you know, be sold later on down the road, which I think is the goal for most entrepreneurs. It's it's not to have your business be you and what's the email again? What do they say? To create a business that works for you, you don't work in the business. So don't like working on your business, business not in it. Right. And it's also about creating a business that works for you. Not yep. you work for it. Yeah, there's the distinctions like working, not working in your business, working on your business. It's like that opposite of, you know, you just said, it's like the serial entrepreneur wants to eventually do something else or sell it or move on or build something else. 
Yeah. So that that's what I'm in the process of doing right now. And I felt bad about doing that before because I was like, oh, no, they need to hear from me and they need this and they need that. I'm talking about my clients. But, you know, I'm, I'm learning more about business because that's not my background. You were saying before you use your psychology and your business degree. I don't have a business degree. So for me, my business is all, is all psychology and it's all, you know, I, I don't have that business background. And that's what I'm still learning is the business part of my business. Mm-hmm. It was last year when I started watching the show Shark Tank that I started to see my business as a business rather than a baby. Mm, that's really interesting. You just, well, you just said that, you know, they need me, they need me, they need me. It's like, no, it's a business, not a baby. <laughs> Actually, I'm quite going to take that. It's, it's, a, it's a business, not a baby. Okay, I'm taking that. That's a new uh, sexy boss. It's a business, not a baby. That's the whole thing. Like, if you start thinking of your business as a baby, you're you're never going to let your business grow. It's Mm -hmm. just parents who, like, smother their children or, like, don't go outside. Something might happen to you. Yeah. Something great could happen to you if you go outside. So Mm -hmm. having that shift definitely makes a huge difference. So you talked a lot about your background. I've talked about how you got to where you're at. You've talked about how many years, what years you started. I started, it's actually my eight-year anniversary because it's my eight-year anniversary of being with my husband. So, oh, that's great. Your anniversary is almost a decade, which is insane. <laughs> so you've been eight years and eight years married, eight years married. So what's on the horizon? You've talked a little bit that you're searching. I hear that you're searching, you're looking for, you're putting some structures in place, but go out 10 years. Like, can you take a visual and where do you see your life and what are you creating next for you? This is where I get down on myself for not being a good businesswoman, just to be honest. Because, like, there's other people that I look at who are like, in five years, I'll be here. In 10 years, I'll be there. I have no idea where I'm going to be in 10 years. I know about the next thing that excites me, and I can get excited about the potential that that will bring. So, an idea that I've become really excited about is called Addicted to My Man. It's going to help women break their addiction from guys so that. You know, women aren't all about their man because that's something that I was in the past. Still have a little bit of a small addiction, but like coaching men, I've learned a lot about myself and a lot about women. And and I've done all the exercises that I provide to my clients. And it's really helped me, you know, not detach, but, but grow as an individual so that I'm not all about my significant other. I am about multiple things. And now I want to teach other women how to do the same thing, how to be strong, independent women who love their men, but whose lives aren't consumed by their men. So tell me more about addiction, like addicted to men. That's really profound. And it's one of the first times when you, you first told that to me. I love the idea because it's one of those it's one of those things in society that's almost proud to be addicted to their man. Like, you know, I work I love my husband or man or whoever it is and I do all these things for him, but it's never been pointed out as maybe a problem or a challenge. And I'm very curious about why or how this came up, but tell me more about it. This because I started going back through my own friendships and through just just the, my the past of my life. Like 
my husband and I work from our home together and he goes away and works on productions. And every year around this time, he goes to Hawaii for two and a half months for a production that he, he works on over there. And every time I dread him leaving and then every time I have the best time ever when he goes away. Because I notice that when he is here, he's my number one priority. Overall, he's my best friend. I want to do everything with him. I want to have every experience with him. And I want to do that so much with him that I give up on opportunities with other people. Like I, I use an example when I was explaining this to him the other day. My really good friend, Nina, calls me all the time and like offers me to do really fun things, things that I want to do. And she offered this scavenger hunt downtown. A scavenger hunt downtown is the last thing that my husband would want to do. But I want to have experiences with my husband so I asked him if he wanted to do it he said god no I do not want to do this which I knew he was going to say and that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit and then I turned down doing it with my friend and then I was a little bit bitter at him and I realized just like how unhealthy that was and I was thinking to myself why did I turn that down why do I turn down something that I'm really excited about and I started realizing like oh my god I'm really afraid that if I do these things with other people then I may outgrow my husband and that like once I said it out loud I was like that's ridiculous that's absolutely ridiculous I'm already have a business outside of my husband. I have friendships outside of my husband. I, you know, do unbelievably exciting things in the media without my husband. And I haven't outgrown him. If anything, it's enhanced our relationship. So I was like, I want to teach people about being addicted to their men and how to break this addiction. So I'm actually, once he gets back from Hawaii and he's back in town, I'm going to go on a 30-day cleanse where... I'm going to learn how to properly balance my life so that I have time with my husband and time away from my husband and time for myself. And I want to teach other women to do that as well. And I'm going to invite them to watch me go through the process. That is really cool. I can understand that completely. I know for myself, my boyfriend travels a lot. And when he's here, because he travels so much, I'm. it's all of a sudden I feel like I have to go on this vacation from my business, which I can't do. But I feel like, oh, he's here for three days, so I can't do anything except be with him. And I've started to, you know, say, no, look, I'm glad you're in town. I work from home. I still have to do working hours, and I need you to go, you know, I don't know, do something else. Act like I'm not here. And it was actually nerve-wracking for me to tell him that because I thought he would get mad. And I'm thinking, this is insane. I have to work. You know, just because he's here on a Monday doesn't mean I have to take off all Monday just to stare at him. This is insane. You know, and so he got that. He's like, well, I'm, I'm coming over because I want to be with you, not because I think you need to take vacation for three, day, three days. But that was over here with me. So I'm sure other, I, mean, I know other women do that. We just like, oh, stop, whatever we're doing. You're available now. Oh, okay. I have to spend time with you because I'm, I care about you and I'm going to be there for you. Yeah. Say to my husband, like, so exhausted because he used to not work for himself. He used to work for a company. So on Fridays, after the whole week of me being by myself, I'd be like, yes, it's Friday. He's going to be ready to go out. So I wouldn't make plans on Friday. I would, I would do this to myself every week. It's so stupid, these patterns you get into. Every Friday, he would come home and say, like, oh, babe, is it okay if we just stay in and watch TV? And I'd be like, what? I've been staying here all week. And I'm like, sure, I'll lay on the couch beside you. And then I would start to resent him a little bit because I'm like, I'm young. Like, I should be out 
but I was the one who was still choosing to stay home. And in fact, it actually would have made me feel better to go out and come home to him after. And it would have made me more attractive to him that I have my own life. So I want this for, you know, for myself, just so that I can feel good about myself. And that in turn, my, my man will be more attracted to me. And then I want this for other women because I find that so many women, it's so hard to make plans with them. Like you have to have like a birthday party to make women actually attend an evening out together. If not, it's like the hardest thing in the world. Maybe it just might be LA, but it's like the hardest thing in the world to get a group of women to get together and not break their plans because they don't want to be separated from their men. Even the most strong, independent women are like that. I don't know why that is. I want, I'd like to go deeper on that. That's really interesting. It's like, why is that? I, I know what you're talking about. I know some women that are strong, independent business owners, married, and if they just have a chance, if I ask them, just, well, I'm going to be spending time with my husband. I just, and I'm like, well, are you have plans? Like, no, we're just staying at home. And that's fine. I understand that. But it is interesting. It's like, but as soon as they're single, it's a lot easier. Oh, sure. Let's go hang out. But if they have a boyfriend or husband, it's like their life is consumed with them. Exactly. And I, you know, I think uh, that's really interesting. And I've never looked at it as an addiction. It's almost like we're trained as how it's supposed to be. Right. But I notice that it's an addiction for me. I can feel it, you know, like I see him all the time. And then when he is away from me, I'm like, oh, where is he? And then if he goes away for a long period of time, I'm like, ah, it's fine. I'm totally fine. And I like myself a lot more when he's away and I am living my own life. And when I am able to maintain that balance when he is home, that's when our relationship runs the smoothest. I'm happy. He's happy. We have space from each other and we, we miss each other. So I, I know that that can help other people, not just who are in relationships, but also dating, you know, it just in general, like I've always been like this with men, but, but in terms of talking about business, because I want to get back to, you know, the, the sexy boss stuff. I, I was scared, and I talked to you about this, like, you know, off interview, but about doing that transition. Is it in line with what I do? And is it okay for me to jump from helping men to mm-hmm. that women? Because I was torn that. Because I said it to my sister, actually. I called her, and I was so excited about the idea. And she said, mm, she's like, how is that in line with your brand? And I was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's in line with my brand. And she's like, well, that's that's kind of weird. It's confusing. How are you? And she's like throwing all these questions out. And because I was fighting her so much on her questions, I knew that I really wanted to do it because if I didn't, I would have said, Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. And she said to me, how are you going to make money? That was the kicker because that's what somebody said to me eight years ago that motivated me to start my business now. So as soon as she said it, I'm like, this is my next business because I'm going to show you how I can make money. And you will. I mean, you will because it's something that's very, very socially, it's what I call the elephant in the room. I think a lot of people don't talk about it. And it's hot. It's different. It's sexy. And it's the whole thing about sexy boss is being being a sexy boss. Sometimes you we're going after what we want. We find who we want to be with. And then we become addicted to things that we don't even think about we're addicted to. You know, and I and speaking of addiction, I mean, I know I have addict, what I call addictive personality. I mean, I already know about that about myself. That's why I never did drugs or anything like that, because I'm clear I can addict myself to something and go after it. That's that, that's that business personality in me. So I'm very conscious, like, okay, I will become addictive, that piece of me, 
at working out. So I'm addicted to working out. You know, I'm addicted to yoga. I'm addicted to working out. And I am conscious of that. Like, okay, I know I'm addicted to that. But when it's subconscious and we all of a sudden become addicted to something we don't even know we're addicted to, and it could be a relationship, it could be working out, it could be drugs or alcohol, but it's the awareness I think that you want to bring to the surface, which is extremely amazing and completely aligned with your brand and very, very doable in the world of money and business. But it is scary. Being an entrepreneur is is scary because... Like when you don't have anything yet, you're just this person with an idea. You're really excited about it. And people are like, what the hell are you talking about? You're crazy. It's never going to happen. There's doubt. They feel bad for you. I've even seen myself do it to other people. You know, other people that, that you know as well who talk really big, but who have nothing. You're just like, oh God, I hope it, you know, it doesn't crash and burn. Like how are you talking like this? They're crazy. And then still watching them rise up to be like ridiculously successful. And overall, it is scary being an entrepreneur, but if you keep going and you get really clear on what it is that you want and you are not afraid to ask people for help and to help others yourself, that's what I think makes people really successful. Absolutely. So final thoughts, final thoughts from a sexy boss, which is you. Final thoughts from a sexy boss to um, any woman listening that wants to start their own business, has an idea or already has their own business and wants to start something brand new. Just do it. Figure it out after. Just, just, it's so funny because like I advise my husband all the time, right? On his business. And so he's a producer. And he said to me, you know, I really want to hire a salesperson. We kind of decided that together, but he said, I want to hire a salesperson, but I'm afraid to move forward with that because I, I don't have a sales packet together. I don't know the questions to ask. I'm afraid to look stupid when they ask me questions. And I said, screw that. You'll figure it out by talking to them and they'll tell you what they need. Contact these people, see what questions they ask you, ask them questions and go into it saying, this is something I'm just exploring with right now. I don't know how it looks, but I'm leaning on you because I want more information from your point of view as an expert in this area. And then that's how you gather information. That's how you put together materials. But if you are afraid because you don't have all the pieces in line, then you're never going to start your business because as an entrepreneur, nothing is ever in line. You're already doing things that require, you know, going off the beaten path. So if you have an interest in something, start talking to people, start researching and you'll get the answers from there. But don't think that you have to have everything ready in order to go out to the world. That is some very good advice because entrepreneurship is really going off the beaten path or I call it jumping off the ship and not exactly sure how you're going to get to the other side. It's just you just jump in and you just start paddling. There really isn't a school for it. I always find it funny when people go to school for entrepreneurship. So that is extremely well. Thank you very much for your time. This is a lot of fun. Always fun talking to you, Marnie. Always, always, always. No, this is great. I'm so excited for you. I think this is- Thank you. This is your purpose as well. So. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate that. You know, I started, obviously, I still teach men how to date women. Or I don't use that word date women, but I teach, I teach men, obviously, like you do, how women think to help them but I think this is the passion is like helping people globally women globally to start their own passion and and business and empowerment and uh, I've interviewed some great amazing sexy bosses like you and I'm excited hopefully this interview will help other women go after whatever they want 
Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Marnie. You are one sexy boss. You have been listening to Sexy Boss Interviews with Heather Havenwood, Chief Sexy Boss. Go to www.sexybossinc.com for more information and education to empower you to be a smart, sexy, and rich sexy boss.